And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Attention, people of Earth. Do not resist us. All who oppose us shall be annihilated. We command the most powerful army of monsters in the universe. They are sure to defeat your Earth monsters. All those who are hearing this are now under the control of the Earth Destruction Directive. Hello everyone and welcome to Earth Destruction Directive. I am your host, Mr. Luke Giaconetti. I'd like to thank everyone for downloading and listening to the show today. Hope everyone enjoyed our last episode where we took a look at the independent Daikaiju film God Raiga vs. King Oga. Switching gears a little bit today, we are looking at another movie and it is certainly obscure and off the beaten path. Uh, we are going to be taking a look at the TV film from 1978, The Bermuda Depths. And when I say we, I mean that in a very real and literal sense, because I am not alone. I am joined by my guest, making his triumphant return to Earth Destruction Directive. Everyone put your hands together and give a nice warm welcome to Dr. Bill Robinson. Well, how did I get here? I was asleep on a on a beach in Bermuda, and and you just walked up to me and touched my face and woke me up. What happened? Oh, you see, we, we had this very deep, meaningful relationship when we were kids, you see. But you have been through so much that you've forgotten a lot of it and repressed it. And only by returning home to where the place where all this trauma happened can you begin to process all these things. When I traumatized that turtle and carved something on its I back. I know, right? And it's going, oh, God, no, no, oh, the pain. Jesus, no wonder <laughs> the turtle was pissed. But, uh, but yes, Bill, thank you very much for coming back. It's been quite a while, uh, since, uh, since we had you on and, and you know what, I'm, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think the last time you were on, we, you and my brother, we covered frogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that you covered a film, which is, has so many ties to this film, which was the last dinosaur. I know that I, uh, what is with us in just old TV or old, <laughs> old movies that some people think are schlock. <laughs> yeah, there's, this is a lot of schlock. So let, let me give a little bit of background because, uh, I'm, I'm going to say that this, this is a film that, that you had mentioned to me and I had, I had always kind of had it marked down to cover. And then, uh, we were talking a little while ago and, and you mentioned it again. And so, you know, let, let's go ahead and do it. So, the Bermuda Depths was a 1978 film co-produced by Rankin Bass and Subaraya. Rankin Bass, best known in this country for uh, their holiday, uh, you know, uh, stop motion uh, um, specials like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Year Without a Santa Claus. Here, Santa Claus is coming to town, but they did plenty of other animated and stop motion um specials over the years as uh, they did they did the hobbit too right they did the hobbit they did yes. the first yeah the hobbit not but not lord of the not lord of the rings right no was, i think that it was, was that just was Bakshi, wasn't it oh wait i think you're right yeah. you know what i might again as i will say as as i will bring up later there's things i misremember <laughs> <laughs> well the thing with rank and bass on on this show is that they're probably best known as that they were involved in the production of King Kong Escapes because at the time, which was mm. about a decade before this, 
they were producing the King Kong cartoon series. And so uh, Toho licensed King Kong from Rankin Bass. And that was also connected, of course, with the original version of Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster um, in the alternate universe where that's a King Kong movie. But uh, but they said, so Rankin Bass are primarily known in this country for their, their children's output. Subaraya, of course, um, you know, studio that gave us Ultraman and uh, is still producing Ultra content to this day. Uh, as we alluded to, um, you know, they, they had done previous, they had done another collaboration and, and stuff, and we'll talk about in the, that in a minute. Now, this was originally broadcast as a telefilm, and the writing credits are Arthur Rankin Jr., who was the Rankin of Rankin Bass, and William Overgaard, who we'll talk about in a second. Now, the it was filmed in Bermuda um, with a primarily American crew. Special effects and creature elements handled by Subaraya, unsurprisingly. Film first aired in the U.S. January 27th, 1978. I think it was an ABC uh, Friday night movie, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then actually would go on to be released in theaters in Japan uh, about 18 months later in July 1979. Because, uh, you know, you, you see that a lot. It, it's a telefilm in the U.S., but it's a theatrical film in the rest of the world. We're looking at you, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> but uh, as, as I was saying, I had no recollection of this film whatsoever when you mentioned it to me. But I, I know that you've got some background with this, Dr. Bill. So I'm going to let you take it away. So I, like I've said to you, there, um, I had strong memories of this. I saw this on TV. I was about probably about eight and a half years old when this was on TV. So... And I would have swore to you on a stack of Bibles that Jane Seymour was the female lead in this movie. Mm-hmm. Don't know why. And I, I mean, I think I brought that up in our last um, one of the times that we talked before. Oh, yeah, Jane Seymour was in that. Yeah. No, Connie Selica. <laughs> <laughs> and so this was uh, the movie was on archive.org. So I started watching it and I'm like, what? Connie Selica? What? Burl Ives? <laughs> I only remember... The only thing I remembered from this was a girl, who I thought was Jane Seymour, um, with with uh, the little kid on the beach, you know, as a little girl, the turtle, Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed in this movie. Yep. Uh, before... This is between Rocky 1 and Rocky 2. Um, and I remembered... I remembered a giant turtle coming up uh, next to, next to some guys in a raft and Carl Weathers being pulled underwater and drowning. That is all that I remembered that just was burnt. Oh, and the song. Cause how could you forget that song? Oh yeah. Jenny. Oh boy. <laughs> all your AM radio favorites. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that was the, sh- and I, I remembered because if you look on the Wikipedia, I remember that black and white ad in the TV guide that's mm-hmm. on that picture. Because I saw this. I know I saw this. I misremembered this. And I <laughs> thought it was one of the greatest movies of all time for, as an eight-year-old. <laughs> but I still have some love for this. So that's my background with it. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, that that poster, that would have made me want to see it. Seeing this in the... Uh... In the TV guide, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty dramatic. Yeah, it's well, he, 
he's got like it's uh magnus and uh jenny he's got like a spear going down towards some creature in the water and then you got little inset pictures oh and at no time in my in my recollection did i real did i remember that burl ives was in this movie and i cannot believe that and i know i i know i said to you uh i sent you a message and i was like burl, you know caps burl ives what <laughs> That was literally my response too, because I was I was watching this at on my lunch break at work, and I had to like muffle my mouth, say Burl Ives, you know. It's, it's just because one of those guys, you see Burl Ives, it just everybody gets 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 popped, you know. Well, because all any, anybody ever remembers him for is oh, he sang some songs, and he was oh, he's the snowman and Rudolph, and yes. you know. But you know what? He was in another great movie. Uh, he was in the Big Country. Yes. And if you're a fan of Ren and Stimpy, you'll know some of his lines <laughs> from the Happy Happy Joy Joy song. <laughs> I told you I'd shoot you, but you didn't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch that movie. You'll see what I'm talking about. Won the Academy Award for The Big Country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, did it? I thought it got beat out by Gigi. No, he he did. He oh, oh he did. that's right. He, he did, but it didn't get best movie. It, that's right. it did not. He won for best supporting actor, which you have to say, like, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name now from uh, from Blazing's from like Harvey Corman. You have to say it like Harvey for best supporting actor. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So the Bermuda Depths was directed by Suganobu Katani. Credited here as Tom Katani. Now, this name may ring a bell because Tom Katani also directed the other two Rankin Bass Super Eye collaborations, which was The Last Dinosaur, which came before this, mm-hmm. and The Ivory Ape, which comes after it, which I've not seen, but apparently is like they're hunting a like a a, a big white ape in the African jungle, and it's turned the day the villagers think it's violent, but it's actually a, a peaceful. I've not seen that one. I'm not sure well, that that rings a bell. Let, shall I let you in on something else? I believe I saw that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, because I I went ahead and I skimmed through it. I like skim watched it as well because I was like that piqued my interest. I'm like that sounds familiar. And you're right. It's the villagers. It's a big. It's a guy in a big giant white gorilla suit. You know, it saves kids, and you know they oh it's huge. Kill it. Ah, Jack Palance is in it. Um, as a, like a big game hunter, or he appears to be like a, you know, a hunter. Gee, is this starting to sound yeah. familiar? And right. also what, one of the stars in the Ivory Ape, I think is one of the guys that was also in, uh, the last dinosaur. And okay. yep. basically you get to the end and it's when I watched the ending, I was like, ah, I have seen this because the Ivory Ape is up in a bell tower. <laughs> He's no. with, a, with a high powered <laughs> rifle. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> At the University of Texas, though. No. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, but Jack, but Jack Palance is down on the ground with a high-powered rifle with a scope, and he's looking up at it, and these other people are up there, and the the gorilla has a baby gorilla in its arms, and, and he sees it, and he tries to warn, you know, Jack, you know, he, he has a change, change of heart. He's like, no, 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 don't shoot. <laughs> and they shoot the ape and of course you know they they kill the ape and the guy that was up there to try to save it comes out with the baby and he's like here 
you want to kill it here? This is, you know, holding up the child. This is what it was protecting, you know, and of course all the people feel bad and they go away and that's the end of the movie. But I'm pretty sure I saw that one too, but it didn't have the lasting impact that uh, the Bermuda Depths did. Yeah. You know, I almost wonder if The Last Dinosaur, The Bermuda Depths, and Ivory Ape are all supposed to take place in the same universe. Gigantic creatures? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the the the, the Rankin-Bass-Subaraya cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. The RBGC. Wow. Wow. They came up with it before everybody. Well, you know, you did have the Universal Monsters. I was so. going to say, yeah, Universal was doing that back in the 40s. But who who am I to judge? If you want to get technical, Toho was doing it in the 60s also, which, you know. Yep, yep. It's like that That was a meme going around where it's like, Avengers Endgame is the greatest crossover in history. And then it's like, I, I beg to differ, and it's Destroy All Monsters. It's like, I'm just saying, you know. But <laughs> um, Yeah, so the, the other one out of Tom Katani's um, filmography that jumped out to me, the film he made between this, this one and the Ivory Ape. Okay, so it's called The Bushido Blade. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was also written by William Overgaard. Okay. So, you know, William Overgaard, who wrote The Last Dinosaur and Bermuda Depths and Ivory Ape, wrote this movie, The Bushido Blade. It stars Richard Boone. <laughs> Sorry. And Toshiro Mifuni. Yep. I need to see this. This is, uh, this just jumped to the top of the list right here. Ooh. I may have to come back. Yeah. <laughs> But there's I, no monster, not, a, not right? a monster movie. Ah, uh, well, we'll just have to drag in Jay and we'll watch it. I'm just saying, you know, you got uh, Richard Boone in a uh, in a samurai movie with Toshiro Mifune. I mean, that's that's just that's just money. That's all that is, man. Mm. Yeah. But um, Overguard, as I said, wrote The Last Dinosaur and the Ivory Ape. Also, later in his career, wrote many episodes for both Thundercats and Silverhawks, oh. which is appropriate oh. as those are basically the same show. Yeah. <laughs> Thundercats is one of those ones that I loved when I was a kid and then I was in college and it was on Cartoon Network and I'm like, wow, this does not hold up. Ah, uh, the only thing that holds up is Mumra. Ah, Mumra the Ever Living. Ancient spirits of uh, never mind, I'm not going into that. It'll hurt and my then, throat. And then again, on Silverhawks, you had, you know, Monstar. Moonstar of Limbo. <laughs> you know. Sa- same dude. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so uh, our cast here, and it and it's a it's a TV movie cast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just going to leave it at that. So uh, Lee McCloskey, who plays uh, Magnus, um, I guess he's best known for being on Dallas. But uh, of all the things he's done, and he's done has a, quite a bit of stuff. He's actually got into like philosophy as mm-hmm. well as acting, which I thought was interesting. He is in the Dario Argento film Inferno, which is sort of the sequel to Suspiria. Uh, we may cover that at some point over on the vault, but we haven't. And I thought this was interesting, just as a two true freaks sort of thing. Uh, Lee McCloskey has played bad guys on Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, Star yep. Trek Deep Space Nine, yep. Star Trek Voyager, mm-hmm. and Babylon 5. Yep, on Deep Space Nine, he was one. He was the uh, the hidden persona of uh, Jadzia Dax. That was a. Um, um, was a uh, basically like a psychopath serial killer. Oh, yeah. In fact, in the one when uh, the last season, when Ezra, there's a feature episode with Ezri Dax when she is trying to hunt down a killer on the station, and she kind of brings his persona to the forefront to help her find the killer, to think like the killer. 
it's a good episode. Cool. I'm not sure that I've seen that one. I've I've seen a good portion of Deep, of Deep Space Nine. I've not seen all of it. So, um, I don't remember him on. I know he. Like I said, I did, I'm looking at the. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for the episode of Voyager he was on, and I remember the episode, but I don't remember who he is. In, uh, mm. you know, but anyway, uh, so yeah, Lee McCloskey, um, he's, uh, he's certainly a guy that looks like he's been bumming around on the beach. I'll give him that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and he, he's very, he's very intense when he needs to be, I guess is, uh, but not, I don't know. It, it, he's, he's just, it's just kind of an odd performance. I think uh, he's, yeah. I mean, he does play the, cause in this movie he's kind of the lost drifting you know drifting from thing to thing in his life and that seems to go well but then when he tries to get serious he tries to get too serious yeah. <laughs> you're like all right all right back it off tone it down there magnus even his name right. sounds too serious who names our kid magnus right unless you're going to be fighting robots or something right <laughs> well yeah i mean that's fine <laughs> or you're each or you're in ancient rome you know yep uh okay the next one i've got so uh you mentioned carl weathers plays <laughs> eric carl weathers best known as of course being the man who single-handedly built the rocket ship that flew to the moon hell creed but uh he was also <laughs> dylan from predator dylan oh, you yeah. son of a bitch bitch <laughs> <laughs> what's the matter the cia got you pushing too many pencils <laughs> that's for my brother my brother loves that line you know? oh yeah that is <laughs> as kids we would often do the dutch and dylan scene and i of course got to be dylan because you know you think my brother is going to not put himself over again they haven't really met my brother but um, well, paul, paul paul and i did that for uh two true freaks uh when we went and visited once up in new york i think we did it in the airport we had somebody you know film it yeah did the arm smack Holding yeah. the pose. Uh. Make it easy on yourself, Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and again, to, to keep the two true freaks thing going, Carl Weathers, of course, now Grief Karga on The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. which uh, I can finally say I've actually watched. Uh, I, I I was keeping that in my back pocket. And it was like, no, I haven't watched it. It's like, what? What do you mean you haven't watched it? You know what? I don't know why they sound that way when they're tell- talking to me, but that's, you know. That's... What? But I sound like Barney Five. What do you mean? You know, <laughs> hey, <laughs> we gotta dip this in the bud. You know, uh, and Carl Weathers walks around with no shirt on or a shirt unbuttoned for quite a lot of this film. It's like the or, story of him on the set of Predator, that or a half go. shirt. Yeah. <laughs> well, the story about you know that that uh, before filming would start for the day on Predator, he would go and get as pumped as possible. You know, so he could show up on uh, Arnold. Attempt to show up to. Arnold. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds well, about right. <laughs> and I don't know what, if he kept wearing a hat, but the, his, his hair is just flat yeah. <laughs> on the top of his head. I'm just like, what's going on, man? What, what? There's also I mean, a was, lot of, yeah, there's a lot of him embracing dudes you know, between this and like Rocky three, you know, just, <laughs> that scene with him and Magnus running on the beach and then jumping in slow motion <laughs> Wait, I don't seem to remember that. I <laughs> no, maybe, maybe that was maybe that was just a director's cut. I saw. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, cut of this. Oh my! Please no. 
So uh, up next, I got your girl, Connie Selica. Jade, yeah, Jade, Dollar Store Jade, Jade Seymour. No disrespect to Connie Selica. No, 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 no. That was completely my mismemory because when I'm like, because I think she is just beautiful in this. Oh yeah. And I, you know, I did not know she was married to Gil Gerard. Yes, she was married to Gil Gerard, and while she was married to Gil Gerard, they made the pilot, which became a TV film when it didn't get picked up, International Airport. Hmm. Which is like, you know, airport, the TV series, basically. <laughs> you know? Uh, Connie Selica, probably best known. She was on The Greatest American Hero. Yep. That's, and, that's, see, that's what I remember her from first, is The yeah. Greatest American Hero. And I, I fell in love with her there. So when I saw her here, I was, what, 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 what? Yeah. I didn't care that I thought it was Jane Seymour. Because I think <laughs> I was getting her confused because the other movie that came out about this time with her and it was the uh, was it Sinbad in the Eye of the Tiger or the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad? It was one uh, of the Sinbad movies. Okay, well Sinbad and the Sinbad and well the Golden Voyage of Sinbad had Carolyn Monroe, didn't it? Oh, yep. Okay, yeah, but Sinbad right. in the Eye of the Tiger, I think, does have um, Jane Seymour. You know, I was to say my dad and my brother just covered that. Oh, really? Yeah, okay, they just uh, let's see. Go uh, back and check. I might not have gotten to that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, J- the thing is, I mean, Jane Seymour had recently done, um, yeah, Jane Seymour's in Sinbad and the Other Tiger. She's the, she's the villainess in that one. She's the evil sorceress, I think. No, 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 no. She's or is not... Margaret Whiting the evil sorceress? I think it's Margaret Whiting. Because I know Taryn Power is the heroine in that. Ye- oh, wait, or is she the villain? I thought Jane Seymour was the one that was in love with the prince. Or am I? Yes, you know... that is. Okay. Yeah. Jane and Seymour had... is the princess. And, then, and it had Patrick Troughton in it, too. Yes. And Patrick Troughton, I want to say, is like Taron Power's dad. Yeah, he's like the uh, the ancient wizard guy. Yes. He does the magics. Yeah. So but, you know, unfortunately, there is no Minotaur in the Bermuda Depths. So. No, no. But, um, yeah, so Connie Selica, she was also a regular on Hotel. Keeping yes. the whole uh, Arthur Haley thing going between that mm-hmm. and Airport, the TV series. And Lee McCloskey guest starred on Hotel several times. Whoa, mind blown. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's all connected. And you were talking about how Connie Selick was married to Gil Gerard. You know who she's married to now? John Tesh. John Tesh. That's right. You can use right now, you know. That's right. John Tesh, who played a Klingon on Star on Star Wars on Star Trek. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> he did. People look it up. Yep. And uh, worth, I, worth walking the path of pain. He's one of the Klingons. Yeah. And he was and he was playing a keyboard. <laughs> Sorry. And he had a talk radio show. It was wonderful, you know. But uh, uh, Connie Selka again, keeping the two true freaks thing going. She was also in Captain America Two: Death Too Soon. Oh, the TV movie. Yes, oh. second one of those. That one had Christopher Lee in it too. Uh, yeah, believe it did. That's mm-hmm. Reb Brown, isn't it? Was uh, yes in those yep. movies. See, I remember those. I saw those sometime on TV when I was a kid. I remember the two Captain America te- telefilms. Yeah, I think because that was CBS, and they were probably rebroadcasting them like later on. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like with this one, okay, The Last Dinosaur, TBS aired that constantly, like we talk about in that episode. But this one, I'll think, I, I, I don't know this one ever played that much on cable. I, I, I don't. There's so many half remembered memories of it. 
yeah, I honestly don't remember ever seeing it since like way back, way back, back, back. Long ago, before the last great ice age. <laughs> that's that's from Fire and Ice. I, I use that line so often at the at at home here. We finally had to watch Fire and Ice with the kids so they could understand mm. what I was talking about. You know. Oh, I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, my my youngest said, "Yeah, these people need to put some more clothes on, Daddy." I'm like, "Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do." Last member of the cast, I have some notes on. Of course, we've mentioned him a few times. Burl Ives plays Doctor Paulus, standing Sorry. O for Mister Ives. Sam Snowman, of course, countless movies and TV shows. He did radio and music before that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Burl Ives at this point. Um, okay, here here's one. Keep the two true freaks thing going once again. He was a narrator in the Ewoks Caravan of Courage. Oh, I have not seen that in a long time. I loved those two movies when I was a kid because, like I said, I was born in 1980, so the Ewoks were my jam. All right, and I, I have not seen them since, and I almost don't want to because I know it's going to ruin that memory. Yep, much like this did. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm not. No, I'm not saying it ruined anything. We'll get to that. Yeah. And then the uh, only other one I've got, you mentioned this and uh, I had not realized this. Um, Eric's wife, Doshin, who is played by Julie Woodson. Julie Woodson, Playboy magazines, Miss April 1973. Woo-hoo. So, you know, Carl Weathers is like, yeah, I did a movie with it. With a playmate of the movie. That's other? right. <laughs> yeah, we were in bed together in a scene. Yeah, it was implied that we did it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, the last movie, but you know. <laughs> now, I don't know who played Bagdus's dad, but the only other person I think that's really even shown in the movie that has any speaking roles. Oh, yeah, because Bagdus's dad didn't even have any speaking roles. He was just, what happened to him? Uh, what happened to him, Luke? He was eaten! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but that scene first goes, uh, well, he was uh, kind of devoured or, you know, the, by, the, by the, sea, the life. sea life. The, the sea life rose up and the, took him. And, and he took he him. Was eaten? Yes, he was eaten! I mean, World Lives has such a left field turn on this guy, on this kid. You know, the guy saying, well, it ate my dad? Yes! It, I mean, his. I'm talking like he's screaming at the guy. <laughs> I was just like, man, just, you know, this kid's already messed up. Let's do well. Yes, he was. But anyway, the housekeeper, um, played by Ruth Athaway, the first time, the first scene with her, I was like, I should have looked this up. All I saw was the actor that plays the evil guy in Serpent in a Rainbow <laughs> that that says to Bill Pullman, and I love this line because I say it to people and they look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, what are you doing in Haiti, Dr. Allen? <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, haven't you ever seen Serpent the Rainbow? Like, that guy is scary. <laughs> you know, we're going to have to look him up real quick now. Wow. I, I don't know that. Yeah, now, now I can't unsee it. Right? Because she's even got this weird thing, this weird, they like filmed her weird in the dark, and she's got this weird thing going on with her eyes, and I was like, what are you doing here, Magnus? Of course, now I'm doing Arnold, you know. 
What are you what? doing here in Austria, Magnus? <laughs> well, would you have a good name for it? <laughs> Looking up Serpent and a Rainbow real quick because I cannot think of the actor's name. I saw him play a good guy in a movie, and I'm like, no, this must, I must be high. Yeah. <laughs> Zekas Mokai? Mokai? Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm butchering the man's name. Mm. But yeah, Serpent and a Rainbow, that's a, yeah, that's, that is a, that's a dark movie. Yeah, don't bury me, I'm not dead. Yeah. Yeah, in case you need to be weirded out, but, um. Yeah, so that that's that that's our cast, and it's like, yeah, that looks like a TV movie from 1978. You know, a lot of TV actors, you know, and then a, a, a playmate of the month, but uh, who doesn't even have her own Wikipedia page? I'm gonna leave it at that. Mm. You know, did not exactly uh, light it up. You know, um, so Bill, you about ready to get into get into our story here because we got a lot of ground to cover in this movie. I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, so first things first in the opening credits, we get the song Jimmy song is written by Maury Laws. I was going to say, it sounds like it came out of like an A and, you know, like A&M records with, uh, my boy, Paul Williams. But, uh, I think, I think Kenny Rogers stole this song (laughs) because don't you hear lady, lady, I've been humming this all day at work. Yeah. So you can thank Mr. Maury Laws. And if that name sounds familiar again, if you've ever seen any of the Rankin Bass holiday specials, Maury Laws does the music in all of them. So Rankin Bass, they were, they were fall, you know, they had their crew of folks that they were working with, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we get that right up the front again. So nice little tune. So our story opens and on a Bermuda beach. A sleeping Magnus Dens is approached by a beautiful but mysterious woman who we will come to know as Jenny Hanover, who seems to recognize him. Magnus is dreaming of his childhood, playing on the same beach, watching a turtle hatch from an egg with his friend, young Jenny. Jumping a few years later, both are playing when a grown turtle, with a grown turtle, Magnus carves J and M inside a heart on the turtle's shell... And my, my comment is, ugh, is the what I have written in my notes. <laughs> While young Jenny makes a cowrie shell necklace for Magnus. The scene then shifts to young Magnus on the beach, spotting Jenny riding the turtle. hey <laughs> Heading out to open sea and disappearing beneath the water. So that is how our movie starts. We have very little dialogue. We have no, no idea what's going on, but man, is it is it cool looking because it's beautiful because it's shot on location in Bermuda. That opening shot where she she comes. So he's asleep underneath like this grotto. Right. And she's way down the beach. And when I say way down the beach, you know, you think of somebody's walking up a beach, they would do the time lapse thing to where like they take like three steps and then suddenly they move like 10 feet. And they, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, 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 no. I think she's like, what, 100 yards away? And yeah. we watch her walk that whole 100 yards till she gets up to him. And and, and I'm like, well, I didn't remember this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait, that's not Jane Seymour. What the? You know what we call that? We call that runtime, runtime, runtime. That's what we uh. call it. But uh, yeah. And then I said, like you mentioned. 
he carves her their initials in the shell and i'm just like oh god are you serious dude we are we are i mean i really hope that that is an effect and they're not actually carving some poor animal with the initials well not to be cold or indifferent does a turtle feel stuff on its shell uh, I, I mean, thought they were younger, the shells were softer, and they did. Oh, yeah. As they got older, they got more chitness. They didn't feel it on the outside. Mm. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of a young turtle. I mean, if, mm. it's, if it's, well, but you know, but, you know, I don't know. But it's, it's still, it's to me, it's like, I'm hoping it was an effect. Or it just wasn't that, I mean, that you know, they didn't actually but, uh, dig into it. It was just like on the surface, like chalk or something. If it was chalk or something, that'd have been, that'd been much funnier, you know. <laughs> might 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 you know come back and not be as effective in the last reel but you know Mm, yeah Uh, yeah so yeah so we get i i do think it's funny that young jenny is apparently shopping at the same boutique that old jenny is shopping at (laughs) it's amazing how her clothes always fit her yeah well you know it's like it's like they have some of those things down here they like we have a boutique in the downtown area here in my hometown that's called generations and they sell like outfits for you know like oh for oh. mom and daughter and grandma, you know, we're the same thing because that's a southern thing, I guess. I don't know. Well, you well, know. once we get to her origin, if you remember what she wears there, yeah. it is consistent throughout this entire. She basically has a black top on and yep. like a pink type skirt or tatters yep. of a skirt is mm-hmm. what she wears throughout the whole movie. Yeah, she, and. She, uh, she kind of looks like she could be in the uh, video for uh, Kate Bush's running up that hill. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. The, now, only, re- now, the only reason I know that, shout out to one of my other shows, is because a cover of that was used on a really good promo video between The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Was really? That. Yes. <laughs> it was like a rock version. It was all like moody and emo. Hmm. Uh, not, not to say the original's not moody and emo, but it was the 80s. It was a different type of moody. Anyway, anyway. But, uh, yeah, and so she disappears into the sea. And, and you know, how yeah. many times when I was a kid did I meet some cute little girl? When, notice I said kid, okay. Yep. Did I meet a cute little girl on the beach, and then she just swam off at a turtle, and I was going, hey, come back. Yep. And then I'd see her a few years later, hey. And she'd swim yep. off on a turtle again. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can relate. I mean, there's plenty of times I could think of when I was growing up, I'd meet a girl that I was, you know, thought I was very close to, and then she just disappeared, never talked to me again. Yep. Yeah. I think most of us can relate to that. <sighs> yep. Moving on. Yep. <laughs> Doesn't hurt at all. <laughs> <sighs> Anywho, so, um, so from this, you know, we get this kind of idyllic childhood. Okay. Uh, he, um, he, he's still dreaming, but it shifts again. To his nightmare of the night that his father, whose name apparently is Lionel. Oh, I don't remember that anywhere in the movie, but okay. I think it's on the tombstone at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lionel. There's a name you don't hear much anymore. Lionel I'd be afraid Gents. to say Lionel, you know. Like the train. Mm. But, uh. So, uh, just again to the nightmare of the night his father, Lionel, was knocked into the water by an unseen horror in the cave beneath their house and part of the house on a cliff crumbling down to the beach as a storm rages on. So I really like this. I like this bit because right at the beginning, 
we get what's clearly a Subaraya model and effect mm-hmm. shot of the house. Like even just the camera panning up, we don't see what it is that's coming to the house. Right. Your point of view is something. Yes. Right. Maybe and something then, big. Right. And it, cause it, cause it looks like it shot like a, like a, like a cross between like a slasher movie and a Daikaiju because we're seeing like perspective as it's approaching the cliffside in the house. And then we see it all getting like part of it, getting caved down and knocked in and stuff. And it's like, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. It's pretty effective in the, in the storm too. Mm-hmm. But you know, it doesn't make sense why. Okay. So there's a cave under the house on a cliff, which if you ask me structurally does not sound like a great place to build a house. Nope. Just, just saying, but it makes sense later in the movie how the creature got in the cave. Right. Because uh, Jenny and Magnus will swim underneath the uh, house, come up in and come up in the cave into his father's lab. So it's kind of like, oh, what? Well, because at first you're not really sure, like, how did this because did, did, I for rewatching this, I was like, wait a minute, did it break through the did it break through the wall and get into the cave? But no, that's uh, I don't I don't believe that's what happened. No, no, it's, it's it, it swims underwater and goes into the grotto. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, you know, of course, I, I relate a lot of things back to the creature from the Black Lagoon. You know, <laughs> like remember that movie that that one uh, that that movie that won those Academy Awards, Traffic. Nothing like the creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> you know, so just or whatever that's worth. All right, so after he wakes up. And uh, Jenny is, like, touching his face and stuff. And I don't like people touching my face when I'm asleep. That kind of weirds me out a little bit, you know. But uh, it's, it's like when your friend takes, you know, takes, like, a marker and draws on you when you're, when you're you know, asleep really deeply. I'm just going to leave it at that. You know. But uh, after he wakes up, Magnus sees a woman swimming in the ocean. And that's all it says in the, uh, in the <laughs> Wikipedia summary that I have liberally adapted. Mm. It's like he sees her and he talks to her, doesn't he? Or does that come later? I think that comes later. Yeah. I think he just sees her swimming and she like swims off. Then he like stands up, looks and she's gone. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Magnus then meets up with his childhood friend, Eric at the docks. And, uh, Eric is, of course, Carl Weathers not wearing, you know, his shirt wide open. <laughs> and I love this cause he starts talking about the work that he's doing and, um, and he, and he, he immediately breaks out the, the trope about the real, you know, we haven't explored, you know, 10% of the world's oceans. And it's like, does every movie set in like a really deep water have to use that, <laughs> that, you know, we've, you know, why explore outer space when we've only explored, you know, such and such percent of the world's oceans? Of our own planet. We don't know anything about the depths. Blah, 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 blah. It's like maybe because if you go to, if you go deep enough, you know, the pressure will crush you like a grape. <laughs> I hate to say this. Once you get out in space, it's all pretty much the same, right? You know? Yep. <sighs> I, I, I digress. Eric introduces Magnus to Dr. Paulus Burl Ives, whom in his Eric, Panama Jack hat or whatever the heck that you know, he, you know, for all the world, he looks like Richard Attenborough from Jurassic Park, doesn't he? <laughs> it's like, uh, I, <laughs> you know, I think that was in the back of my head, but I never put it together. You but yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, Dr. Grant, Dr. Sad will roll up on the Brachiosaurus. Welcome to Jurassic Park. You know? <laughs> And he busts out to his song. Yeah. Give me crack oh, corn and I don't care. Are back. 
Dinosaurs eat corn and I don't care. <laughs> the Velociraptor ran away. Oh, sing with me now. And Richard Boone shows up. They eat meat. <laughs> you ding dong. <laughs> Boota. Uh, Ubuntu would have shut this turtle down and like, you know, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so uh, Eric introduces Magnus to Dr. Paulus, whom Eric is working for to finish his master's degree in marine biology, uh, which we all know most people get into marine biology for the women. That's uh, main, the main reason I vote you to go to University of Miami and study marine biology, right? But uh, suddenly the boat, which is the Panolyrus, which I love, I love names of ships that sound like they were like generated with a random name generator. Well, I had asked you earlier. I'm like, is that some type of Daikaiju reference that I'm missing? <laughs> yeah, not not that I'm aware of. I'm not familiar with uh, the monster Panolyrus. I mean, well, there, there might be. I don't know. That that's not one that that rings a bell. This uh, this this film is, despite the fact that it's a uh, you know the Rankin Bass Subaraya, this is seems way more American than the last dinosaur. As American as that movie seems. There's more Japanese aspects because every now and again, dinosaurs have to like pick up a, a drill tank and throw it around. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, the boat lifts violently to one side and the net they pull up has been shredded by something very large and very strong. Are you sure uh, the camera just wasn't violently tilted to one side? <laughs> somebody honked a car, a, a, a semi truck horn. Yeah. <laughs> ah, tilt the camera. <laughs> It's like that gif where it's the enterprise, you know, getting, you know, getting rocked back and forth, but they've stabilized the image. <laughs> it's just George Takei, like running off the set. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. But so they, they, they pull up the, the net and there's, you know, it's a big hole. In it. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, there, and, and it's like, you know, that, that happens in movies after Jaws, right? You know, they pull up a net and the net's all torn and broken. And they're like, oh, what could have done this? You know, it was done by a bumble. Going to have to get Yukon Cornelius out here yeah. on the Polaris. Yukon <laughs> Cornelius. It's a peppermint mine. But uh, that evening. The three men are joined by Eric's wife, Doshin, and Eric takes time to brag over how smoking hot his wife is and that she cooks. <laughs> Not uh, anything sexist there. Yeah, yeah, 1978, you know, that's, that's what it is. Uh, join them for dinner at Dr. Paulus's house. Magnus is intrigued by the necklace Dr. Paulus's housekeeper, Delia, wears, which resembles his own. I'm sorry, and this might again just be because I knew I'd be recording with you. Delia! I want <laughs> my cake! Yeah, but he actually... Girl, is screaming for his dinner. The whole time. Where's my going, dinner? But he's saying it. Yeah, he's like, Delia! Where? <laughs> it's Father's Day. Where's my cake, you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't do that. It's killing my throat. Yeah, I just got over a cold, so... <laughs> Yeah, and that version of Creep Show with Burl Ives and Father's Day. <laughs> well, plus I know you run a you you run a little more of a PG show, so we have to yeah, not say yeah. full lines. Oh man! Uh, so uh, after dinner, well, okay, uh, now, now hold on. After dinner, right? <laughs> doesn't he say something like, "And it better not be fish"? <laughs> yeah. 
And then and, and then we cut to after they've eaten dinner, and what is it? Uh, it's a big honking fish big with honking like bone fish. sticking out of it and everything. Yeah. Like wow. and Burl Ives falling asleep in his chair, which <laughs> as I've gotten older, I can identify more with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a great there's a great meme that's been going around. It's Homer Simpson asleep at the table. And the caption says, if your dad doesn't fall asleep like this every night, is he even really your dad? (laughs) (laughs) Man, my kids bust on me for that all the time. They come out on the weekends and look to see if I'm still awake watching TV. (laughs) And they'll wake me up. I'm like, I was awake. What are you talking about? I wasn't asleep. They're like, you were snoring. (laughs) You heard you on the other side of the house. Over the fan. With the door closed. <laughs> I went to sleep. It was a TV show. <laughs> you yell at me, you kids. <laughs> I was awake and I liked it. <laughs> I'm young and full of life. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. I was once like you. <laughs> My son said that to me. He goes, Dad, you were snoring in the chair. I'm like, I didn't hear nothing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear a thing. <laughs> Although every, every now and then I do wake myself up. I'm like, what, what was that? It sounded like a giant turtle sneaking up in my house. Yeah. I said, it freaks you out. You think there's somebody in the house with you now, right? <laughs> the best part is when I lay on my back. I think I've told you about this before. My my wife says, I'll just like hold up an arm straight up in the air on my back. So I'll be like, like I'm reaching for something. And I'll keep it up there for a long time, and then eventually it'll drop, and it, I've had it smack me right in the face. <laughs> Back! And I'll be like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> ah, it sucks getting old. You need, you need to stop abusing yourself first. Yeah, I mean, that's stop the first yourself. step, right? Stop hitting what? yourself. <laughs> oh, man. So after dinner... Upon not getting the answers to his questions about his father's death from Dr. Paulus, who is only half awake, (laughs) Magnus goes outside and again sees the woman swimming by the boat. Uh, He jumps into the water to follow her, but apparently forgets, oh my God, I can't swim, right? You know. (laughs) Well, he didn't wait 30 minutes after eating. That was the problem. (laughs) And he cramped up. He cramped up. Uh, He is saved from drowning and revived on the beach by the woman whom he does not recognize. She returns to the ocean, telling him her name is Jenny Hanover. Ooh. Mm. Now, we we have some depth of knowledge, right? Because we've seen her more than he's seen her. Because when part of the time when we saw her, he was asleep. Mm -hmm. And though this is another situation that if girls asleep on the beach... And dude comes up and starts touching her face. It's creepy. But dude's asleep on the beach. And Connie Selica comes up and starts touching his face. It's like, ooh, exotic. You know. (laughs) I want to point one thing out before I forget it. Now, we we know what she could be or is. Only because we've seen the rest of the movie. You notice how beautiful her, her nails are? But they're slightly pointed yes i i don't know if that was a a touch that they you know kind of put in there like you could see that she could be some type of clawed sea creature maybe i mean i know i mean you know yeah i i know that's a stretch it may just been that she had a wonderful set of nails at that time because i thought but but it's like i kind of thought that was it was very 
it was it was weird. It's, yeah. You know. Well, it's, it's it's striking visually, right? It's, it's yes, because she's more... got the, like these white nails. She's got this dark tan and these really white nails that are yeah. kind of come to not a really sharp point, but enough of it. If she wanted to scratch you, you'd feel it. Yeah, for sure. Not that that's ever a plot. It's not ever ever a plot yeah. point anywhere in the rest of this movie. I just it's just something that that I noticed that caught my eye. So mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. enough for sure. Uh, she returns to the ocean telling him her name is Jenny Hanover, which I already said. Mm-hmm. Magnus's description of the incident to Dr. Paulus is not taken seriously. Dr. Paulus laughs it off and tells him the woman must have been joking with him, as Jenny Hanover is a name given to a sea creature of local folklore and also to supposed mermaid relics made of dried rays and other dead sea life. This made me, um, you know, that, that, that's a, that's an old, uh, like sideshow trick Yeah, that, you know, they, they take a uh, fish and, and, uh, they, they would, they would take the skeleton of a fish and the skeleton of a monkey and they mm. would mix them up together and say, Ooh, it's a mermaid. You know, that was an old, uh, you know, if you did that in, in the freak show, that was always one of the, um, one of the, you know, that, that was a common one you'd see. Mm. I've, I've, I've studied, uh, carnival sideshows and stuff a bit a bit too more than than i probably should have and i found out some weird <laughs> crap like this you know if a co-worker of mine back at halloween she was going to a uh, a costume party with her husband and the theme was oh that they wanted to, the host wanted them to do like couples like like you know circus or sideshow things and i'm like throwing all these ideas at her <laughs> and they're looking and she's looking like, at you like what's yeah. wrong with you like, uh-huh uh-huh and I'm like, I finally said, oh, well, I said, you know what? And I said, your husband wears a, wears a beard, right? And she goes, yeah. He goes, have him wear a dress and be the bearded lady. I said, and then you just get, you know, you put on like a grease paint mustache and go get like, you know, uh, a couple of giant foam balls and put a bar between them and make them like the 500 pound weight and be the strong man. <laughs> Perfect couple's costume right there. But uh, anyway, this is not a Halloween movie. Um, so... Um, <laughs> So after Dr. Paulus shoots down Magnus and says he's a, that the girl's a, she's lying to you, bro. She's totally mm-hmm. lying to you. <laughs> you know, uh, Delia later tells him the full legend. Pay attention. This is important. There'll be a test later. And there's a flashback. Yes. <laughs> Jenny Hanover was a beautiful but vain young woman who bargained with a mysterious God to save her from a violent storm at sea and was granted eternal life at the cost of becoming a sea creature who can never again live on the land. And I really like this flashback. This is pretty cool. Yeah. You know? Well, because the ship is a miniature. Yep. um, And it's got, I mean, some of the other, like another article I read said that the, her, her, her parents or her father had built the ship for her because up in the front, I cannot remember. I mean, it's the, it's the forecastle, uh, but I don't remember exactly what the piece is. You know, like often, sh- is it the masthead? Okay, I thought that was called the masthead because it, yeah, it's 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 like her image, right? On it's the masthead, yeah. right? But but the front of the ship is the forecastle. But yeah, the masthead part, you know, there's 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 a a wood c- c- carving of her there. And they're going through this terrible storm, and there's lightning, and and for some odd reason she's out on the deck. Yeah, 
but but she had been vain. She didn't get, want to get married, but that she she'd agreed to go back to the mainland to because she finally agreed w- with this uh, rich guy that was going to marry her. So and you know you see her. She's 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 praying to something, and then she jumps off the ship. You know, saying take the rest of them, but spare me. And then she dives into the water. The ship's hit by lightning. Starts to fall apart. And then as she's going down into the water, it's like her dress is billowing up around her. It looks almost like a jellyfish, right? Would you yeah, agree? That's and, exactly what I... And she's getting smaller and smaller. Like and, jellyfish it, look. and as she's going down, down into the depths, there's like these shooting, like 2001 Space Odyssey type shoots of light and like rays coming up that get blinding and blinding until, you know, she disappears down into the darkness. Yeah, no, it's 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 really well done. Like I said, and I, and I love the fact that Jenny, who so far we've only seen in a positive light, is portrayed in a very negative light here. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally praying to you know take all the rest of them, but spare me. You know, the the church of every man for himself. I'm not know that I'm familiar <laughs> with that one. You know? But uh, no, I I really like this whole flashback. I think it's it's really well done, and and it's. Uh, that that's the thing about this movie is that it it never seems to commit one way or the other is it a science fiction movie is it a supernatural movie you know and it and it it kind of weaves them both together mm-hmm. and i think it works pretty well because of it it certainly is unique in that aspect and it, ca- it and at this point like i said i didn't i had no idea where this was going at this point yeah uh the next morning the police summon Eric to examine enormous tracks on the beach. And the Carl Weathers kind of hopping around in the sand. I know he's like, he's like, he's, it's like, he's a kid at Christmas. Yeah. He's jumping through these tracks. He's got the tape measure. He's holding it. You know, he's, I mean, he's really, he's really selling it that he's excited. I got to say, I mean, it's not, he's not just phoning it in. I no. mean, he's, he's fully <laughs> invested at this point. Yes. And it's, it, it appears that from the, the tracks that it's a giant turtle, like 40 feet across is what mm-hmm. the implication is. You know, it could also be just be a couple of kids dragging barrels up the, uh, up the beach. But who am uh, I to take this away from Carl Weathers? You know, I, I don't know if it's here or at this point in, in the movie, a- anytime something dramatic happens, we get the even at points where it shouldn't even be there. It's just yes. like, why is this here? <laughs> and I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if I went back and watched it and it was right here too. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it just there's like three main music cues in this show in this movie that just get beat into the yeah. ground. Right. Yep. Rig- original score. Only wrote three pieces. One of them's and one of them's a piece of classical music, which is in the public domain. Yep. Um, I'd both say at the beginning of this, when the cop is driving on the beach, you almost think it's like, wow, has he lost control of the vehicle? Is he going to like plow into the onlookers or something here? Because he's like all over the place. And then Carl Weathers a, jumps out. That was a cut scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Christmas time up on the boardwalk. Pop, pop, pop. Ooh, there is a 102-minute Japanese unedited version. Yes, and and if you go on IMDb, I think it's on IMDb, somebody has very thoughtfully gone like second by second and saying oh. what the different cuts are and stuff. 
It's also yeah. in widescreen, which is which is cool. Oh. Uh, hmm. So uh, at the same time, Magnus goes down to the beach and meets Jenny, finally remembering her as his young playmate. Magnus takes Jenny to his father's wrecked house. He tells her some of his memories from childhood while she describes the quadrilles her father would hold in their great hall. And we get some more like, how old is she? That she has all these memories of things that okay. are clearly from a past but this by goes money. right over Matt Magnus's head because he's like, pretty girl. Yeah. Hey. It's like, it's like say quadrille again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know how it is. You know, you spend uh, as as a guy. You're at culturized for the first, you know, a uh, couple of decades of your life to not feel any emotions except, uh, you know, rage and hunger. Mm. And then uh, then you meet a girl and you're not your brain is not equipped to deal with it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not angry or hungry. Well, maybe I'm a little hungry. but <laughs> I mean, I, you know, but uh, then Eric calls Magnus away to go out on the boat with Dr. Paulus. And then as they're running away, Jenny, once again, disappears. And, uh, and it's like, in my notes, like, dude, she's ghosting you. Come on, man. You know? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> the original ghosting back before cell phones. <laughs> you just need, uh, oh God, I'm blanking. Uh, Mac from Predator. Yeah. Are you ghosting? You ghosting me? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> can't say the full line yeah i'm gonna have me some fun i'm gonna have me some fun and eric c- comes up and says it's just a couple chicks out in the out in the bush making fun of you magnus oh wait no sorry that's not <laughs> <laughs> and jesse and just like we hit nothing <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say that Jesse Ventura would play Burl Ives' part. Yeah. Yes, he ate him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Dug in deeper than a Bermuda turtle. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff turned into a sexual Tyrannosaurus. But uh, that's the last movie. That's the last dinosaur. That's the wrong movie. But... (laughs) (laughs) No, maybe Burl Ives should have played Jesse Ventura's role in Predator. Yeah. That would have been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so after they go out again, and they've got the, the longer line and all that now, again, the boat lurches uncontrollably. <laughs> <laughs> what is that, BJ and the bear going by? What the heck? <laughs> There's a whole other story going on on the shore here. We're not privy to it. It's BJ and the Bear go to Bermuda. It was that two-parter, you know? <laughs> the adventures of Sheriff Lobo were in Bermuda. <laughs> ah, good time. It could have been. It could have been. <laughs> Although, in this age of streaming services, you never know, right? <laughs> but uh, Eric is forced to cut the cable on the trawling net. With the big bolt cutters, which I thought was kind of funny. You know, you know how many times, okay, so I was in the Navy. You know how many times there's like things that are under tension like that? You know, they, they used to show us films about, you know, synthetic line snapback and how it cuts your legs off. And uh, didn't, you, didn't you guys watch that movie with uh, Cuba Gooding Jr.? <laughs> he got his leg cut off. Man of <laughs> Honor? Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm like, you yeah, should just be cutting that high tension cable like that. No, it's it's one of several scenes in this that's a blatant HSE violation. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at this. It's like look, I, I wasn't in the Navy, but I have had training. Uh, I've talked about this on the show before, too. I've had training with like working around cranes. OK, yeah, yeah. And a crane. Jesus, you know what I learned from taking crane training? Stay the hell away from cranes. <laughs> And we're not we talking to birds. Up there, it's like, I was on one job site, the boom snapped, the guy got twisted in half. It's like, what the hell are you saying this for, man? <laughs> no, I can't unhear that. I'm going to carry that for the rest of my life now. Well, neither will er- Eric towards the end of the movie either. No kidding. Ugh. No kidding. But, uh, yep, so again, Dr. Paul is like, we could have had 10 near 20,000 feet of cable. Not to get... He's not that angry. I mean, most of the time, Burl in this movie is pretty laid back about it. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, again, they've got, they, they got nothing, you know, if they, they know something big's out there, but they don't know, know what it is. Um, the, the effect tank here, it's clearly the boat just being picked up off screen and lifted up and down in the effects tank. It's, uh, it's quite oh, common. Yeah. It's yeah. Very, uh, this, this did remind me of Ultraman seeing yeah. this again going, Oh yeah. wow. This is just, just like, Ultraman. The, the problem is, is that Ultraman came out a decade earlier mm, and was yeah. on te- and w- and was not a movie. It was a TV show. Yeah. It, well, this was on TV. Yes, yeah, this was. This this was aimed more at it adults, though, I would imagine. Yeah. Eight-and-a-half-year-old yeah. Bill notwithstanding. Well, I mean, eight-and-a-half-year-old Bill probably loved it. <laughs> oh, sure. But, you know, it's it's the thing is that water is hard to scale, right? So it's... uh. It's it's a little tough. It's almost as if after all the effects in the last dinosaur, which good, bad, or otherwise, there was a lot of them. It's almost as if the Rankin Bass was like, "We want to make the boss wants to shoot a movie in Bermuda," because Arthur Arthur did in fact moved to Bermuda after this movie. Um, <laughs> I think it was Arthur Rankin. It was one of, either Rankin or Bass moved to Bermuda after this. It's like the boss wants to shoot a movie in Bermuda, and we want to make another movie like the last dinosaur, but we don't want to spend a lot of money. Mm. And Subarai is like, we can do that. We can do that. <laughs> yep. So uh, that evening, Magnus, uh, here you go. Magnus again confronts Dr. Paulus about his father's death. <laughs> Paulus explains that Lionel was conducting tests regarding mutation in sea life when he was attacked and the sea life rose up to take him. Which means... Are, you, exactly, sa- are you saying he... Are you saying he was eaten? Yes, he was eaten. <laughs> yes, he was eaten. Wow, a lot of remorse for the kid's dad. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like he was my best friend, but man, you know, he deserved it. You know, didn't, didn't he actually say I, I, I did a quick skim watch before we got um, like like at about seven o'clock tonight, going through. Did he actually say that his they only found his head? I don't know. They never found anything. I thought. Oh, okay. I, I kind of swore they said they that they only found his head, and I was just <laughs> like, "Oh my god!" How did I? What? We had uh, it stuffed and preserved, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I keep it on my nightstand. It's a great lamp. Yeah. <laughs> I, I keep I keep Mike and Ike in the mouth, but. The <laughs> Oh, that, no. that, that's just great. I love it. 
Now, oh, okay, so then Magus asks, asks, asks him if he remembers the turtle from his childhood and describes how he carved initials on the shell for himself and Jenny, and Paulus is dismayed. Now, is Paulus dismayed because he remembers or has seen a, a turtle with this, or is he dismayed because he thinks Magnus is off his rocker? He says something like he remembers you. I remember you playing with a little turtle, I think is what he says. Or is that Eric that says that? Well, Eric later says, basically says, hey, well, actually, this is later on in the synopsis series. Like, yeah, your parents thought you had an imaginary friend and saw something that he thought he played with a turtle, but nobody ever saw this girl that you were talking about. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, man, they thought you're crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Dang. Yeah, Paulus is dismayed, but it's not really clear why. I, I kind of thought the same thing. Like, does well, that, even, that must mean something to him, but he hasn't told anybody about I, it. I know. There's a lot of things that are not spelled out in this that you got to infer. Now, yeah. Doshan straight up thinks that Magnus is a nutcase. Yeah. You know, but Eric's like, bah! <laughs> woman. <He's> like, <laughs> what, a, what do women know? You know? <laughs> yeah, but she's the only one that was, you know, sensible. Yeah, pretty much. She, she's like the one rational character in this. Although she does convince, uh, well, spoilers to Dr. Paulus to go to his death. <laughs> I think Burl has at that point. is like, I've had a good run. I'm <laughs> tired of fish. <laughs> I have to eat either the, either the fish dinners go or I do. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> All right. But moving back to the yeah. back to the plot later on, sometime later. Or as our good friend uh, Sean Engel used to say, some time has passed. Eric and Dr. Paulus argue about how to proceed with whatever it is in the deep waters they are investigating. Eric wants to use the horror. The horror. The horror. <laughs> I love this, this. This is the exact phrase in the Wikipedia synopsis. A harpoon firing bazooka. Okay. Not just that. When he test shoots it, Yes. What is he? He shoot it through like a concrete block or some yeah. like huge piece of metal. And at first I was like, oh, look at that. It's stuck in one side of it. Oh, my God. It went through it. It went through <laughs> it. And here's the thing. So he goes, he calls it a recoilless rifle. And he's standing there. Magnus is standing oh. right <laughs> behind him <laughs> in the back blast area where you're not supposed to stand. Yes. I, I I wonder, and I think that was an honest reaction because I don't know if Lee, uh, if uh, Lee the actor actually knew it was going to be that loud because he's like right next to that where you're not supposed to be. Yeah. No, <laughs> you don't stand there. Get out. That's like a jet exhaust. You just don't do that, you know. Um, Doctor Paulus, aghast at the idea. <laughs> I mean, this 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 thing. You know what it looks like? I know this is a little after your time, but. By about 1990, 91, 92, they started having, in G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, they started having the actual, you know, missile launchers that would launch actual missiles, spring-loaded missile launchers, right? Mm-hmm. And I am sure that one of them has, like, a big bazooka thing that fires a grappling hook like this. That's for all the world this looks like, is like, you know, yeah. hey, you just got, you know, the new version of sci-fi, and he has real firing weapons, you know? and. It's, it's this giant. I guess it would be like like uh, wetsuit or uh, you know cutter or one of the you know Admiral Keelhaul, one of those <laughs> guys, you know, one of the naval guys. Oh, what was the guy with? Uh, I can't remember. 
what? He was one of the main Navy guys. Shipwreck? Yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah. Save I my phones for Davy Jones. <laughs> Shipwreck was the cool guy. We found out on one episode that Shipwreck lied about his age to enlist in the Navy early. Yep. Yep. That's how much people want to get into the Navy. Just putting it out there, you know. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say it's like, look, I, hey, you know, you, you, you're you're the veteran, man. You know better than I do. I, I didn't get in. They didn't lie to get. All I remember is you. I remember you told me the story where you got a um, uh, you got a letter uh, that you were being drafted, <laughs> and your response yeah. was, "I'm in the Navy." <laughs> <laughs> called up the draft board because they kept saying well you know this is gonna affect us i'm like you know i'm in the service oh okay well <laughs> we'll stop bothering you <sighs> you get an army guys like are you really son are you really in the service if you're in the navy <laughs> look i got a navy tattoo and everything see <laughs> we all get them you got an anchor and it's his mother right? exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> got a heart it's got an anchor mom you know i remember reading the thing is like you you that's why you're not supposed to get your wife's name because you could always separate but everybody's got a mom there you go right just like the penguin says in batman the movie (laughs) every one of them's got a mother (laughs) man burgess meredith in this movie that would have been never mom that that's a that's a what if i don't even want to examine um so paulus aghast at the idea withdraws his support for the expedition. And I love this because he says to Eric, you have Captain Ahab syndrome. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Foreshadowing? Yes. <laughs> so, again, we, we've got, like, a couple of different movies all going on here at the same time, right? Because Eric's, like, the star of a whole different movie of him hunting down this giant thing with mm-hmm. his, you know, his 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 uh, nutsy cuckoo white friend that he used to have, right? Mm-hmm. it's like this dude seeing ghost chicks on the beach and stuff, man. I don't know if he's ready for us to go hunting down this thing. Cuckoo for but. Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it, you know, so it's like, yeah, I, I like that. Cause it's like, it does kind of have a captain Ahab sort of thing to it. You know, I could see a version of Moby Dick with Carl Weathers. <laughs> well, so one of my other misremembered things will come up at the end about Carl Weathers to what I remembered what happens to him versus what happened in the movie. But, uh, unless I'm thinking of another movie, but anyway, we'll we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. So they set out and right at the hour and two minute mark, we get our first look at the giant turtle and get used to this shot of him swimming up towards the camera because we see it several times. And the wonderful turtle sounds it makes. Yeah. That sound like a humpback whale. Yes. Because that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. It's Star Trek 4 all over again. Yeah, but this is before maybe people didn't know what a humpback whale sounded like. You know, I, yeah. I mean, you know, if they hadn't been watching like National Geographic or any specials on PBS, because that's right. where the only place you would have seen it back then. You know, so it would, probably wasn't a bad thing to use. It's very ethereal, very uh, underwatery. Yeah. I mean, so, who's to say what a giant turtle sounds like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i mean I, I said it and it and it's it's a nice looking turtle it's not gamera it's not you know kind of it's not it's trying to look realistic in that way it's similar again to the last dinosaur where it was attempting to look like a real animal and not like a, a kaiju mm-hmm. 
So I do like the turtle, even though it doesn't get a whole lot to do, especially at these parts. I do like that. So we're an hour and two minutes into our, uh, let's see, the 98 minutes is the uh, the U.S. running time. Mm-hmm. So we're more than you know, just about two thirds of the way through when we see the the turtle. Wow, the Japanese version was ninety minutes. That sounds like a much more tighter because there's so much that could have been cut out of this movie. Yeah, the long walks, the, the it would have made this. That's the only bad thing I have to say about this movie is that there's some long drawn out sequences that could have been tightened up. And yeah, I think a a good eight minutes. Yeah, could have easily been taken out of this film. You know, the whole bit where they're, like I said, where they're swimming underwater and all oh, that. It's, it's, like, it's like Thunderball, <laughs> right? You know, Thunderball. Yeah, Thunderball had action, though, a little no, but bit. Thunderball is a great movie, but then you go and you're fighting underwater for 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. As they wrestle in slow motion underwater. And I love Thunderball. Don't get me wrong. Sorry. Sorry. They, they I, should put I'm that ever, music in here. Yeah, <laughs> of course. If I'm ever rich enough to own a yacht, I'm going to call it the Disco Volante, which is because of Thunderball, which means flying saucer in Italian. I know that. <laughs> I'm going to get my wife the same like type of suit that Domino wears, mm. and then I can go on the yacht by myself when she laughs at me. But, you and know. they can have a boat that comes out of the boat, right? Yeah. It's not just one boat. It's like two boats, man. It's like mask. <laughs> Mobile armor strike command. Mask, but again, I don't know why the mask guy talks like that. But you know, that's, I've been having that problem a lot lately. Again, I hear it happens to us older guys. But um, so after it's trolling, a, so Magnus, yes, this point in the movie, this is where we become. Uh, uh, this is where we, the movie turns into Jaws, right? Yes. We, you know, your 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 buddy Paul would say, "Is it Jaws in this portion?" Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it was 1978. It was popular to rip off Jaws at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've talked about it many times. There was a... Well, there's a, even a line in there where where Burl Lives, I, didn't he say, you're going to need a bigger boat? You're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite, like, you know, what ifs. There was an, there's an unmade film from right around this time that was supposed to be a co-production between Hammer and toho and it was called nessie mm. and it was going to be a film about the loch ness monster and it was going to be a all like english cast and you know, english production and all that but toho was going to do the special effects and they were going to make nessie the plesiosaur and it was going to involve nessie like escaping from loch ness and like getting into the uh you know, getting into the in, into the open water and going and destroying an oil rig and stuff. And it's like, man, that sounds cool. Oh, the only thing that would make it better is if Terry Thomas was in it. And he'd go, I sailed by. <laughs> Do you see that rather large reptile? <laughs> As it eats him. Yeah. Oh, my. Bug off. <laughs> if American women stopped wearing brassieres, the entire economy would collapse, I say. <laughs> That's from It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Yes. <laughs> all these bosoms what is the obsession with bosoms <laughs> god that movie is amazing but um anyway eric and magnus they're trawling they're trying to find something they find once again something is dragging on the line taking a small harpoon gun 
Eric dives in to try and save the <laughs> saves the net. He shoots at a form he can see only vaguely, which is clearly Jenny. It's clearly a girl. Hey, it could be a shark wearing a tutu. <laughs> All right. Let's yeah, not jump I, to know, conclusions. I, you know, and from, it could have been know, a sexy shark in a black swimsuit wearing a pink tutu. You know, as as we found out on that one episode of Misty, I thought you were the octopus in disguise. <laughs> I mean, I get it's underwater and stuff, but it's like, you know, they say like, oh, you know what? When a shark comes up and you're on a surfboard, you look like a seal. It's, it's like the opposite of that. You know, <laughs> if you're underwater. A person looks like a seal. I don't know. Was he wearing, uh, did, did he have a mask on or was he just. No, I don't think he had a mask on. I think he was. Well, just, then of course that's down. why he couldn't see. He yeah. can't see anything underwater at that distance, especially in seawater. That stuff stings. Yeah, I. Yeah, I'm. I'm I. Uh, I as a forty-year-old man finally managed to convince myself to open my eyes underwater. I had never done it before that. Really? Oh, yep. yeah. Finally, just, we were at the at the YMCA pool one day, and I said, "You know what? I'm going to do it." You know what? You can't see crap. <laughs> you can't. You can't. <laughs> But is I'm that a prove sea? to myself, if nothing else, I could do it. So. Is that a seal or a sexy sea siren coming to kill me? Yeah, either way. Do <laughs> it. In the local pool with the Y. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so he shoots the form he can only see, which is Jenny. Magnus then tells Eric, as Eric is pounding beers. <laughs> From this point on, he drinks like four beers on camera. You know, you just drink it. It's like, Carl, we want you to really get into the role. He's like, okay. okay. Magnus tells Eric that he had been with Jenny the night before on the beach. Wow. And went, wow. And how Jenny was his friend from when they were young. Eric does not remember her dismissing her as an imaginary friend and revealing that him and his parents used to laugh at him about it when now, he was younger. Yeah. Okay. I got to take umbrage with this. How much older is Eric compared to Magnus? Why would Eric be over there laughing with Magnus's parents? <laughs> what a dumbass! What a, Oh, my imaginary friend. Like, you're not an adult. Get away from me, kid. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm going to talk talk to you about my son's imaginary friend get out of here hey and what are you doing with that beer yeah so <laughs> for for the per for the purposes of argument carl weathers born 1948 so he is now 74 years old lee mccloskey born 1955 so he is 66 years old so if we go by that he's eight years older than him Hmm. So that means when, how old would you say that Magnus is at the beginning? Six, seven? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, eight at the outside. So which, he would have been like, which means Eric would have been 16 hanging out with his parents. Laughing at Cracking what a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't take it the wrong way, Lionel, but your son's kind of stupid. You know what I'm saying, man? Am I right? Am I right? You know, <laughs> Who are you and why are you in my house? Yeah. What? Oh, I'm your I'm your son's friend, Meg or Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Never met you, you before in my me. life. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that that. But again, you know, again, 
It's like, that was my, it's like, dude, she's a ghost. That was my note that I keep writing over and over. It's like, no, she's real. She's real. I'm telling you, it's like, dude, she's a ghost. You're sleeping with a ghost, man. Like, sort of. Like, not really. Uh, you know, she's you not a ghost. Seen... She's a ethereal uh, sea witch or whatever. Yeah, she's like a sea hag thing. Yeah. Maybe think of Futurama when, when they, they go to the lost city of Atlanta. <laughs> which is sunk under the water it's in yeah. the atlantic ocean and all the all the all she meets the girl and falls fry meets in law falls in love with the mermaid mm-hmm. and they're getting it on she's like well i'm just gonna release my eggs and then you do what you gotta do <laughs> and she's like oh man why couldn't you have been the other type of mermaid with the fish half on the top and the lady half on the bottom <laughs> yeah fry is pretty stupid but yeah uh, it, it just amuses me because it's such an accurate depiction of Atlanta. I can say that as someone who lives in South Carolina and not Georgia. <laughs> the Coke Museum and Turner Field and Airport. <laughs> so the trawl lines finally catch. More, you know, where we got 15 minutes left in the movie. So the trawl lines finally catch what turns out to be a gigantic turtle. Which is so large, it begins to tear through the net, which Eric has gotten from the Coast Guard. Eric, yeah. yeah Eric blasts it with the horror. The horror. <laughs> and allows it to run out the line, just like Quint, waiting for it to resurface. So here we go. Now we've got the man versus nature portion of the film. Mm-hmm. As they shoot the turtle and get this thing embedded in its shell and are willing Ooh. just to wait it out. And it'll get it'll get tired and come up. Yeah. Why? I mean, again, <laughs> why did you didn't tie any air, any uh, ballast to it to make it come up? Turtles just going to be like, yeah, OK, I don't need to come up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Screw you. It's, yeah, it's, like you. it's like you watch the beginning of Jaws. You didn't watch the end. <laughs> Three barrels, you know, they're going to. After sundown. The boat's power mysteriously gives out, and the cra- the compass spins crazily. My well, note here is, the turtle cut the power! You know? <laughs> How to cut the power, man? It's a, it's a reptile. <laughs> it's like Orca, you know? Oh, God, that's another... Oh, that to, to quote my friend Adam, this whale should be commanding armies. <laughs> Orca, is like the, Orca is the smartest person in that movie, you know? Sees Richard Harris... <laughs> I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna rem- I remember you. Killed my wife. You killed my child. Bastard. Orca also introduced us to what I have lovingly referred to as the ejection type whale miscarriage. Oh God! Not just your normal whale miscarriage. Not your everyday run of the mill whale miscarriage. It's a specifically an ejection type whale miscarriage. <sighs> That film also posits that killer whales have larger brains than humans. <laughs> and also features a killer whale, you know, uh, like Who understands- hitting, a, hitting a shark with a spear like Bill Goldberg. <laughs> well, it also understands leverage, yeah. literally. <laughs> I go down on this side of the ice, Richard Harris will slide into my mouth. <laughs> it's like, ah, after, after he does this, does the same thing to the girl with the cast on her leg. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that, was that Bo Derek? 
Was she in that movie? I don't remember if that was Bo Derek. Gonna have to look up Orca. Have to look that one up, Orca. I, my, I'll, while you're looking that up, I will tell you my Orca story. So, when Orca came out on DVD, see, long ago, movies used to come out on DVD, and people were excited about it. We didn't have to deal with millennials saying, I don't buy things on physical media. <laughs> you know? If I can stream it, it doesn't matter. Of course, but, if you're old like us, it was like, in my day, we had to wait for it to be on a Sunday night movie. Then we tape it off of Channel 11, and we liked it. We loved it. Commercials and all. God, the commercials are the best part. skippity woobity gee look at me. I'm a pirate. team stealing money from the cable companies as I'm ripping down Orca the Killer Whale off of Channel 11. Watching Richard Harris matching wits and losing against the giant fish. I cannot believe that when I typed in Orca that I had to follow up with movie because it didn't come up it's like that should have been the first thing i know charlotte rambling is in that movie too uh, isn't so it eric is in that movie as is will will sampson who also played the indian guy in poltergeist yeah. <laughs> and charlotte rambling is also in there as well robert Dino De Laurentiis, popular hmm. guy on on this network because he is the of course rival of dufo de monzo you know so they, they <laughs> get that thing going on but um uh, so again, you know, the, so like Orca, the, the turtle cuts the power and the compass starts spinning crazily. <laughs> they start, uh, freestyling about the, uh, about the Whoa. Bermuda Triangle. It's crazy magnetic fields and all sorts of stuff. It certainly isn't just a lot of storms and rocks, you know? So Magnus leaves the boat's cabin. This is great because Eric has been drinking steadily. You know, it's like, we did some science, so let's get, let's get smashed. Now, I don't know about you, kid. I'm thinking it's time to get some shut eye. It's like you're like you're like a six pack and a half in. Now I did read that, um, uh, like in one of the things that talked about the movie in depth. Like I guess they did a lot of day for night shooting. I guess you yes. change the filter on the camera, and this is one of the times that you can actually kind of see it. But I, I so I, I, after what's about to happen, which probably takes place in about what five minutes it'll suddenly be full daylight but anyway yeah. we'll get to that <laughs> yeah, there's the day for night is really kind of suspicious the other thing i forgot to mention is when the turtle surfaces the water starts roiling up mm -hmm. and in a monster movie from japan you know what that means oh Monsters yeah coming up that's what always means when the water starts roiling up like that um so um magnus leaves the boat's cabin Finding Jenny on board the ship, she begs him to free the turtle nebulously. Good word, Wikipedia. Nebulously <laughs> saying that she made a promise long ago that she will forever regret. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Paulus. Meanwhile, some miles away on the shore. Dr. Paulus has been convinced by Doshin to go search for the boys because they've been out of radio contact for a few minutes. So Dr. Paulus boards a helicopter to fly out to the boat. Upon arriving, he observes a huge shape underwater <laughs> near the boat. Some other turtles might be big turtles. This is the we've got the biggest turtle. There have been some <laughs> other turtles. We've got the biggest turtle. I may have to cut that out. Um, the turtle surfaces, swimming quickly towards the helicopter, and in the greatest scene in cinematic history, leaps out of the water. 
sending the helicopter crashing into the ocean. Okay, he bumped it. Yeah. <laughs> Boink. And, uh, now, I, now, I did catch... I It caught flame, and then, you know... Louis Anderson going down. <laughs> 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 Top five answers on the board. <laughs> like, okay, now, I will say this. In, 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 in all fairness, and again, you were in the Navy, so you know this. Helicopters don't take much to go down. They, 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 they exist in a perfect, uh, you know, state of homeostasis. And if yeah, you mess up one portion of it, there's a good chance they're going to start spinning out of control. Well, I mean, if a giant turtle jumped out of the water and smacked into the bottom of the helicopter, there's a good chance it would probably go down. Yeah. I mean, all you got to do is just stop the rear rotor, you know? Yeah, then it's just going to spin. You know, it's going to be totally screwed. <laughs> I like watching in movies where you got somebody flying a helicopter and they take their hand off of one of the controls. It's like, oh, and they're all dead. Cool. Okay. Right. <laughs> this ain't like a plane. You can't kind of make it. You know? Yeah, they go down, and it, it is this is this is this is. I mean, I love this. This is so awesome. I like. I like. I mean, if I wasn't in my office, I'd have stood up and cheered watching this because I'm, a, you know, I was on my lunch break. But it's like it's so cool. The so turtle like, jumps up and knocks the chopper, and it bounces and blows up. It's like, of course it does, because Doctor like, Paulus, like has, when like uh, you were like Jeff Bridges when Kong smacked the helicopter on top. Yeah! <laughs> that pisses me off so much (laughs) to this day but yeah i mean this i mean again it's it's a tv level effect from subaraya this was not you know a a feature film level effect but subaraya was mostly making tv shows at this point so oh that's that's where i was like oh man that's right out of ultraman absolutely (laughs) absolutely and it's awesome i i really love it I, I mean, legitimately and unironically, I love the fact that they blocked this out in the effects tank and had the turtle on a wire to get it up enough and hit the helicopter. And <laughs> And helicopter models are tough to do anyway. I've said that many times in our destruction directive. And to crash it, I love it. I love it. That's that's just fantastic. Um, you know, right around this, uh, you know. So uh, upon seeing the crash... Eric rushes out onto the deck, is confronted by Jenny. To his horror, her eyes glow an eerie green. Just as the turtle surfaces under the boat, capsizing it, it's like, guys, we're running out of time. Let's get things rolling here. We got to speed this up a little bit. Now, I don't think that that capsizing effect was that bad. No, I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah, because there's a lot of little pieces and details that fall off of the the ship model. Yeah. That look like pieces, you know, I, I really thought that that, I mean, you could tell it's in a tank. Right. But, man, it looked pretty good. I liked it. I liked all the air rushing out. Yeah. that's that's what'll happen, right? Because you get the water pushing in, it's going to p- displace the air. The air is going to come yeah, out and, like and, that. And it was pushing the air, like, out through the, the stack of, of the trawler, pushing it out, you know, like, it was good. It was good. No, I mean, that. I will say that, I mean, that's the thing. You don't know what kind of money they had, but, I mean, that, that to me, for, again, for an outfit like Subarai, which at this point was not like, I mean, even Toho was out of features at this point, you know. Godzilla hadn't, there hadn't been a, um, a, uh, a Godzilla feature film in like three years at this point, you know. 
So there wasn't a lot of Japanese tokusatsu movies being made. So a lot of it was TV level stuff. So I thought this was nice. If this had been an episode of Ultraman, I'd have called it out as a superior effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the, so the, the the ship goes down and goes down goes down smooth, you know. Down goes. Um, <laughs> down goes Creed. Creed is down. Creed is down. Magnus climbs aboard the lifeboat after we see him swim all the way over to it. Magnus climbs aboard the lifeboat amidst the wreckage and desperately tries to help Eric on board, but Eric is entangled in the line from the horror. Oh, the irony! Oh, but he's also like hanging on to a box. Yeah, <laughs> there's like a chest, and he's like, <laughs> and yeah, he comes over, and gets him, and and Eric's trying to cut cut the cable, but it's a steel cable. With he's trying to cut it with a knife. Yeah, and and uh, I mean Magnus is trying to cut it, and Eric's begging him for the knife, and I'm just like, and 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 Magnus is like, what are you going to do with the knife? It yeah. won't cut. Do you think? Do you think Eric was going to take his own life? With a knife? I think he was either going to kill himself or he was going to try and cut his leg off. Uh, yeah, but he doesn't because just before that, then then that's when you get the full, I guess, the full mom, the money shot of yeah. the turtle rising up and its eyes glow green. Yes, just like Jenny's, and then it it like does a quick swooping turn and goes down into the water and it whoop, just drags Eric right behind him. Yeah, and that that whole bit where we eventually do see Eric's corpse, that's pretty creepy. That's legit creepy right there. You know, as as the payoff to the Captain Ahab's portion of the story, that's a legit, like this, you know, like well made bit of horror imagery right there, you know, his dead body being dragged down. Now, what I misremembered in this scene was for some reason, I thought he was stuck on the shell. Ah. And that's where, because when I watched this, I was like, oh. But I think that's because of what we will see. I think I cross-wired in my head what we see at the end, the very last shot of the turtle with the close-up on its shell. And I think that's where I I thought he was stuck to the shell and not just, you know, I was I mean, if I was eight years old watching this, no wonder I had it. I, I didn't learn how to swim until I was much older <laughs> because because I saw this when it came out. And then a few years later on like ABC, they were showing Jaws and I watched yep. that even on TV. You know, there, there was not a lot of blood <laughs> in Jaws. It's, it's still pretty damn scary. I mean. I slept in a captain's bed, which is way off, off of the, uh, you know, it's got shelves underneath it and yes. drawers. So I'd sleep up in that and I couldn't see the see. you know, I was about nine or 10 years old. I couldn't see the floor. And I, in, in my head, I always had ideas that alligators and sharks and all kinds of things were <laughs> around my bed and I couldn't get out of my bed at night because I was terrified. Yeah. Because the giant turtle was going to suck me down. Giant, giant turtle was going to get you. Yeah. Um, so, Jenny approaches an unconscious Magnus lying, f- uh, lying, f- lying flat on the beach, sadly kisses him, and then returns to the ocean for the last time. Diddly doo, diddly doo, diddly doo. Mm. Some time has passed. Doshin approaches Magnus in the graveyard where his parents are buried and expresses her horror at the loss of her husband and Dr. Paulus. Magnus tells her that he is leaving Bermuda now that he's ruined everyone's life 
He's going to head on. Well, I guess I'll just be moving along. And he wants nothing to do with the sea ever again until the next scene. I mean, admittedly, you're in Bermuda, but you could have taken a plane. I'm just saying. Magnus walks away without noticing the statue of Jenny. Which is quite beautiful, I must say. It is a really nice statue. I do wonder if that's a prop. I was wondering that, too. It's got to be, you know. It'd be too on the nose if it wasn't, you know. Connie Selica probably has it at her pool. Yeah. (laughs) Connie Selica, I imagine, is a grandmother at this point, right? So, yeah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's like, Grandma, why do you have that weird statue that looks like you? And she turns, oh, she's got green eyes and sharp white nails. Shut up! Okay, Grandma! <laughs> oh, sweetie, I got paid to make a movie in Bermuda with the guy from, uh... <laughs> with the guy from Dallas and Burl Ives. <laughs> oh. uh, okay. Uh, without noticing the statue of Jenny and the inscription which reads, Jenny Hanover... 1701-lost-at-sea on her gravestone. 1701? Um, My God, it's a Star Trek tie-in. Yeah. It's all connected, man. I told you they're not supposed to mess with the space-time continuum. <laughs> I don't know why Cheech Marin is upset about this. but they... <laughs> Hey, man, you got to mess with the space-time continuum, man. Oh, far out, man. <laughs> Hey, maybe she was like a ghost the whole time. You know, you ever think about Whoa. that? You know? <laughs> Don't piss off the sea life, man. Yeah, it makes you think. On the ferry leaving Bermuda, Magnus, a litter bug, throws the necklace <laughs> Jenny had given him into the sea. Now, it's it's already shells. It's not, it's not littering. There would have been shells in there anyway. These are just yep. attached on a piece of string. Yep. The necklace sinks past the giant turtle which is shown to have the same initials Magnus inscribed on its shell all those many years ago. Dun, dun, dun. Now I was thinking about that. If he put those initials on that thing when it was small and it grew, wouldn't it, wouldn't they be distorted? Cause it almost looks exactly the same, just bigger. It shouldn't yes. have grown in proportion to the size of the, See, that's where I thought that the last, see, I think in my head, the last shot of the movie was the turtle swimming. You saw the initials on the turtle and you saw Eric's body attached to the shell. Oh, God. That's what I had in my head. Yeah. So that's, I'm glad mine wasn't, wasn't as gruesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it plays back into the whole supernatural love story angle of it. Because it's got, like I said, it serves different masters. From what I was reading about this ending, if you if a turtle has his shell damaged or marked like this, as it grows, it'll stay on the same scale because their their shell is made of scales. So it would mm. grow and get bigger and it might get distorted depending, I guess, on how the scale grows, but it would stay on that same scale. So oh, this one okay. is kind of weird because it's it's covering a couple of scales now on the giant yeah. one. So it's like, that's not really right. But it would still be there in some capacity, whether it be readable or not. I don't know the answer to that. But I don't go around, you know, marking up wildlife. Now, if Magnus had never come to the island, would Eric still have died? That's a good question. Would he have found it? Yeah, well, we, you know, he there is nothing that Magnus does that does, right? Yeah, 
that leads Eric to find it. Eric finds this thing on you know, him and Dr. Paulus find it. Yeah, I, Magnus Magnus is just talk, talking about his own screwed up childhood and, you know, how he's seeing ghost women. And uh, so really, I think, I think at least Eric and maybe Dr. Paulus, because I think if Magnus hadn't have been there, Dr. Paulus would have probably been out on the boat with Eric. You know, I mean, so if if you take away our main lead, supposedly, I don't think this movie yeah. would be any different. No, that that that's the one people like to throw that around about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. So the next time somebody does any it's like, well, you know, actually, if you watch the Bermuda Depths, you know. <laughs> See? Yeah, yeah. Throw that <laughs> one out. The Bermuda Depths, which predates Raiders of the Lost Ark by, what, two years, you know. Two, three years? What is what is, what is Raiders? Uh, 81? Like, 81, so yeah. Yeah, well, so three years. But, uh, no, you're right, because, like I said, it really is kind of two movies here. And I, and I like that aspect, because you get that this could have been just a straight-up Moby Dick sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. With Carl Weathers hunting down this giant turtle and Burl Ives yelling at him. But the supernatural love story sort of thing, I like it. It's different. It's unique. It's 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 a. I, I said this to you on on Messenger. It's like this is a weird, thoughtful little movie in its own way, mm-hmm. because it's not super forthcoming with all the answers. So we do kind of fill in the blanks ourselves a little bit. And I'm, I don't really, I don't mind that most of the time as a movie like this, where it's like, well, what do you think happened, Luke? You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, it does. It is a little long in some portions. Right. But overall, I enjoyed this and had a great feeling of, of nostalgia and also, uh, yeah. An idea of how much you can, your mind can remember, misremember things completely. The mind is a terrible thing and we must yeah. stop it before. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, I said this coming off of the last dinosaur, I was expecting something more like action adventure, right? And cause say what you want about that movie. I mean, that movie's got, you know, the, the building a giant catapult to throw rocks. At oh, that movie moves, man. That 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 movie is boom, 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 boom. There's all kinds of things going on. We get this long, thoughtful thing, you know, with the music and, yeah, like you said, the love story, that opening shot that takes forever. Yeah. But it's, you're it's, like, who, yeah. who is that woman? What's what? Who? What's going on? And then you cut to the weird stuff with their kids, and they're, you know, she's still wearing the same outfit, and you're like, what? Yeah, it's 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 like a Caribbean Gothic, in a lot of ways. Because, oh. like I said, it, it's got a wonderful use of the location, mm-hmm. you know, all the places that they film in, in Bermuda. Um, it's got a, like I said, it's got a lot of color. It's, like I said, I I enjoyed it, even though it is definitely atypical from what I expected going in, and it's atypical from a lot of movies that involve a giant turtle. I mean, in all seriousness, or any giant monster, it's really very, I think that is the reason why for so many people, it stuck with them, even if the details were kind of fuzzy, because it is so unique and so unusual. There's not another movie I've seen that's quite like this movie. Hmm. Oh, one thing we forgot to mention, uh, it, it doesn't mention it in the synopsis, but after Jenny is shot with the harpoon... When she later comes up on the ship and sees uh, Magnus, he's, you know, 
got his hands on her waist, and just below his hand, there's a hole in her bathing suit, <laughs> which yeah. there's there's a there's there's a wound there in the shape of the harpoon, and you're like, ah, <laughs> you know, it's but a flesh wound. She's not natural. <laughs> it's like, dude, dude, she's a ghost. She's a sea ghost thing, man. <laughs> She's a supernatural sea witch. She's a uh, hag, dude. But she's Total beautiful. Hag. Yeah. That was, you know, we need, you need, ch- she's hot though, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, have you seen her? Come on, man. You know, well, looks I'm... just like Connie Selica, you know, from Greatest American Hero. <laughs> you know? Well, so, and this uh, is, I, she, this is such a, everything else you see her and she's, she's, I, I don't know if she was tr- maybe because she was like, did they, what did they tell her? How did they tell her to act? Just, just act aloof, a lack yeah. act, you know, spiritual, ethereal. Cause she is very like wispy with like the way she touches and the way she moves. She's, it's like, she's almost like she's f- swimming on land like she's flowing through water while she's walking all her movements are very graceful and yeah and that like she's still underwater and i don't know if it was a conscious choice on her or they took you know it was her direction it's yeah i i i'm glad i got to see this again yeah I'm glad that you got put me onto watching it because again, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Cause I was concerned. I was thinking, Oh man, what if this doesn't live up to the hype that I said? Yeah. Now, you know, the thing is, is like when, when I, I, like I said, I didn't know really what to expect. I had one thing in mind. They got something completely different, but it wasn't in a bad way. It was in, I thought it was in a thoughtful way. So it's like, you know, it's one of those things that's like, I'm willing to overlook some things in. Yeah. The, again, probably could have used a few minutes trimmed out of it, you know, Maybe, uh, un, you know, maybe not Burl live screaming. Yes, he was eaten. You know, as great as that was, <laughs> it's just really, really out of place. But, you know, it, it's, it's a creative story and it's, and I think it, it, uh, it, it's, it's unique and different and I'm not going to fault a movie for, for doing something different that I haven't seen before. So I got to give it props for that. Um, now if you, the listener, yes, you, if you would like to watch the Bermuda Depths, um, it is available, believe it or not, from the Warner Archive collection on DVD and Blu-ray. Now, Warner Archive, that is where they will print it on demand for you. So you can't mm. go to the stores and buy it. But if you order it, you will get one printed on demand for you. So it's like an a burn, essentially, is what it is. And the Blu-ray has both of the both the TV and that international widescreen version are on the Blu-ray. So if you go that route. You can get both versions of it. I'm sure this looks pretty nice in, on Blu-ray. Um, that's similar to how uh, Last Dinosaur is also one where you can get it on the Warner Warner Archive collection. But I don't think that one's not on Blu-ray. That's one's only on DVD. And as Bill alluded to, you can also check it out on the Internet Archive. So if you go to archive.org, you can you can check it out, give it a watch, and maybe just bring back some memories if you if you hadn't seen it since you were a kid, or you know discover it. See what see what what we're talking about if you've never seen it before. Um, is all you know just to watch something like this that there's no easy way to get it without you know it's not like you can go on Peacock or HBO Max and just fire this one up. It is not available on any streaming service that I was able to find either. Yeah, 
which is, you know, expected, I suppose. As as much odd stuff as there is on there in most of these streaming services, this seems a little obscure even for that. But uh that, that, you know, it's it's a it's an enjoyable it's an enjoyable ninety plus minutes. I mean I told my wife after I watched, I tried to explain it to her, I said, You would probably like this. I said, I know you don't normally like these uh Japanese you know, films that have a Japanese monster in them, but I think you would enjoy this one because it actually has a, a good story and it's got some interesting characters in it. And I, I, I think it's worth, I think it's worth checking out. I'm, I am, I, I do not have, I do not have it on DVD or Blu-ray, but after watching it, I'm like, you know, I'm considering it. This one probably is worth going in the collection. You know, mm. just the, the unusual kind of circumstances around it, you know, being, like I said, the Rankin Bass Super I co-production. And the fact that it's a pretty decent little movie. You know that that that's 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 worth uh, worth ten bucks or so to get it on DVD. At least it is to me. You know, my opinion. Yeah. Your mileage I'm, may vary. I'm gonna have to look into it. All right. So, uh, Bill, thank you so much for coming on and talking about the Bermuda Depths with me. This was fantastic. Um, why don't you give a little um, rundown for the listeners out there? Where else they can find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me on Two True Freaks. I am nowadays. I'm pretty much on Back to the Bins, uh, and I uh, guest, you know, on a few other shows here and there. Uh, we've uh, actually on Two True Freaks. We've also been covering. We finished up our coverage of Deep Space Nine, all seven seasons that we'd actually started uh, was started years ago by our friend who's unfortunately no longer with us, Sean Engel. Um, we finished that and we continued on to, uh, uh, we're covering the animated, uh, Star Trek series. Yes. The filmation Star Trek. Yep. Which we're almost done with all our recordings for that. Um, although we, we're, we're a lot further ahead in our recordings than the actual show. So there's, uh, well, there's only 18, 18, 20 some odd episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, our next topic we're going to do is we're going to cover the prisoner um i don't know if the patrick mcguin yes uh, i don't know if you have seen that i before. have not but i do like the song by iron maiden yes andy and i so on that on that andy and i are the only two that have seen all the prisoner and we are familiar with the iron maiden song yes and, and paul and uh our other host dave have not ever seen the prisoner or heard the song. So we're going to have some good discussions coming up in a few months with that. So that is awesome. I love back to the bins. Back to the bins is my favorite comic book podcast has been for years. Always, always a treat. You never know what you're going to get on back to the bins. <laughs> mm, well, you know what? Someone on this podcast, other than me might be on back to the bins. Yes. In the future. But I, that's a story have, for another day. That is, but that is another story. Uh, I have been on I have been on Back to the Bins in the past, and I look forward to once again being on Back to the Bins in the future. <laughs> that is a uh, that is a that is a terrible reference, which I will not get into detail on this all ages friendly show. But uh, um, yes, but again, and and listen to the prophets again. Another great great show, and I love that you guys did finish it. You know, uh, all of Deep Space Nine. Um, you know, I know you and I had had batted around ideas for shows that are never going to happen. Maybe, maybe someday, someday when all our kids are out our, of the house, we'll be able our to do voyage it. Our, to the bottom tired the, of us. our voyage to the bottom of the sea, Voyager cro- crossover thing. Yes. Voyager to the bottom of the sea. <laughs> maybe. Someday. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, man, Captain Janeway and uh, um, Admiral Nelson. Nelson. Oh, man, the two of them. Oh, they would make very stern-looking babies, that's for sure. Jesus. <laughs> Be made of rock. They yeah. come out with stone. <laughs> just with coffee everywhere. Just bottles of coffee, you know, right out of the womb. But anyway. Um, but yes, please go check those those shows out again. Anywhere you find Earth Destruction Directive, you can find Back to the Bins and Listen to the Prophets. So please go check those out if those sound uh, like fun to you. I would like to take this opportunity to thank all of you once again for downloading and listening. Uh, as I say all the time, podcast is a labor of love and we do this for the fans and for your enjoyment. So thank you. I hope that you guys enjoyed this. I'd like to take a moment, of course, to say that Earth Destruction Directive is for everyone. If you are a fan of Japanese giant monsters, even ones that star in American movies with, uh, with, uh, you know, Lee McCloskey and Connie Sell. <laughs> Uh, then uh, you are welcome to be a part of Earth Destruction Directive to whatever uh, level you feel comfortable with. We are not an elitist show. We're not a gatekeeping show. We, we're we out here for the people. And um, all are welcome, as always, at Earth Destruction Directive. I want to thank everyone. I uh, want to let everyone know again that you can go check us out on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and search for Earth Destruction Directive. I really need to add that to the outro at some point. Uh, but we, I've been mirroring all the episodes on YouTube. So if you prefer to uh, throw it on your PlayStation or something and stream while you're eating dinner or whatever, you can do that. And that's very much appreciated. If you go to YouTube, please uh, subscribe and hit that notification. Like and comment does a lot to help get the word out for the show. And, uh, of course, you can find out how to get in touch with me in the outro to the show. You can always email me at earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com. You can, uh, of course, reach me on Facebook or the Twitter and uh, we will always try to answer all your emails and talk about your emails and your social media here on the show. Uh, Bill, we've come to the end of the episode, and I do have to say that uh, there's always going to be a morning after, you know, just like in the Poseidon Adventure, right? <laughs> so this is kind of like the Poseidon Adventure without Gene Hackman or Ernest Borgnine. Or Shelley Winters. Or Shelley Winters, or, or pretty much any any anybody from... Uh, you know, uh, anybody from uh, the Poseidon Adventure, even beyond the Poseidon Adventure. But, um, man, that well, you know what? A, a tidal nope. wave of the turtle that turned the ship over in Poseidon Adventure. But you know what? You know what didn't happen to anybody in the Poseidon Adventure? They weren't eaten! <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they were not. <laughs> uh, they, they didn't even turn to cannibalism or something in the side, which would have been it's like we've been we've been trapped for like three hours what would you can't be that hungry but so um that uh, but yes there will in fact uh, be a next time and next time folks we're going to be going back a little bit more traditional type of film here for earth destruction directive next time out we're going to be taking a look i mentioned it in passing a little bit earlier on the show we're going back to 1975 and terror of mechagodzilla the final Showa era Godzilla movie, the the last of the original run before the series went on hiatus uh, for nine years, believe it or not. And um, if you've listened to this show before, you should be able to make an educated guess as to who my guest is going to be for Terror of Mechagodzilla. Uh, but I will leave that uh, in the future and uh, and just leave it at that. So if that sounds uh, like fun, I hope everybody will come back and listen to that one. Uh, Bill, I'd like to thank you once again for taking time out of your busy schedule 
And uh, joining us here to talk about the Bermuda Depths, it's been a lot of fun. Really appreciate it. We will we'll have to take a look at the Ivory Ape. have to see. Maybe we can find that one, do that one too. No, and, uh, no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll do the Bushido Blade instead, you know, and get uh, Richard Boone and Toshiro Mifune. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm down for that. I'm down for that. That's like Master Thank- Ninja with Lee Van Cleef, right? Hmm. Hmm. Matt, uh, Lee Van Cleef and one of the Van Patten boys. Oh, okay. Yeah, Master Ninja theme song. <laughs> Master well, Ninja theme song. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. And I always enjoy listening. Well, you were always welcome here on Honor Destruction Directive. So thank you very much for coming on. And thank you, everyone, for downloading and listening. Please come back next time for Terror of Mechagodzilla. And until then, keep them stomping. But don't eat them. (laughs) (laughs) This has been Earth Destruction Directive, a Daikaiju podcast produced and created by me, Luke Giaconetti, as part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, available at twotruefreaks.com. This is a fan work celebrating the history and culture of Japanese giant monsters. All movies, TV shows, comic books, characters, and other intellectual property is copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended or implied. If you would like to send an email to the show, you can email me at earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com. I try to respond to all emails, and if you send in some comments, I will read them on the show. All episodes of Earth Destruction Directive can be found at 2TrueFreaks.com. You can also find the show on your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Earth Destruction Directive. You can even leave a review on your podcatcher of choice if you'd like. You can find me on Facebook. Just search for first name Luke, last name EDD. You can also get in touch with me on Twitter. Just search for the handle at LJacone. That's L-J-A-C-O-N-E. The theme song for this podcast is Future Gladiator by Kevin MacLeod, downloaded from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Thanks for listening, and be sure to come back next time for more city-stomping fun here on Earth Destruction Directive. Tune in next time to hear the crusty old podcaster from Oklahoma say, There's a WTF (laughs) moment if I ever saw one. Oh, I've got a cat trying to get in my lap. No, you're not getting on the episode. You're a terrible co-host. You purr and then you say nothing. Like, I heard we were discussing fish. (laughs) I heard fish. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, go. He's going to sit here and stare at me. Please, Dr. Paulus, I'd like to know. He's consumed by sea life. That's the nature. You mean he was eaten? Yes, he was eaten. Yes, he was eaten. Yes, he was eaten. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, he was eaten. Yes, he was eaten. Yes, he was eaten.
Dr. Paulus, yeah! Dr. Paulus, yeah! Dr. Paulus, yeah! Dr. Paulus, yeah! 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 If you persist in this, I withdraw from the project. It will be the end of our work together. <laughs>